Good morning, Valley Christian Church. It's great to be with all of you today. Want to make a big shout out to all of the people in Poughkeepsie this morning and watching online. You guys give yourselves a round of applause. We love you guys. Um, and we are so grateful to be here as we are in this series right now called Father, Son, and the Other One, a series dedicated to the topic of who the Holy Spirit is, how he works in our lives. And I'm excited to be here for today's topic because today we're talking about spiritual gifts. But I do want to say this before we get into anything, that I'm approaching today's message with caution. Because many of you guys have probably had different experiences with the Holy Spirit, different teachings on the Holy Spirit. And we here at Valley said that we don't just want to talk about the Holy Spirit, but we want to give you the whole picture according to Scripture of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. It's easy to talk about the things that are easy to understand the things that uh, we can easily take out of here and use. But today we're talking about something that may challenge some of you today, but I believe it will challenge you for the better because you know the whole picture. I think that this is true in my life in more ways than one. Uh, just a couple months ago, me and my wife were blessed to go on the vacation of a lifetime. We went on a cruise through Europe, uh, starting uh, with a couple days in Rome. I actually have a picture of us. This is us on our first day in Rome. It was absolutely awesome. But what was super cool was where we took this picture was just feet away from the hotel that we were staying in. We had a view of the Colosseum the entire time. It was an absolute beautiful trip. And people love to ask us all the time, you know, what did we enjoy? And we always talk about the things we saw and the food we ate. But there's always one part of the story that I don't like to talk about. Because it was probably the most challenging day in our marriage while we were on this vacation. See, on the third day of our vacation, we were still in Rome. And it was also our wedding anniversary, celebrating three years of marriage. And this day was also a little interesting because on this day, we were supposed to go from where we were in Rome to another city called Ancona, which was a four hour train ride away. And we needed to be sure that we were on time for the train that left 9.30 their time. So we woke up that day and I told my wife I loved her. I had all these little surprises for her because it's our wedding anniversary. And I told her, hey, listen, um, you know, I know it's our wedding anniversary and we got some nice stuff that we're gonna do, but we're we're going to do that later. We're not going to do that now. Right now, I think it's in our best interest if we got to the train station as soon as possible to be sure that we got on that train. And my wife, who I love very much, decided that she had a different plan in mind. She wanted to eat at the hotel that we were staying at so we can get a nice romantic view of the Coliseum one more time and enjoy that. And I didn't think it was a good idea, but I also know happy wife, happy life. I'm trying to rock the boat on our anniversary. So we have the breakfast at this hotel. And as nice as it was, church, we ended up missing our train. And not only did we miss our train, but we found out when we went to customer service that that train was the only train that was going to leave Rome to get us to Ancona on time for our cruise. And I'll never forget, the lady at customer service looked me dead in the eyes and said, I'm sorry, sir, you just missed your cruise. And I remember thinking to myself, and I think anybody that's been in a relationship for a significant amount of time has had this feeling before, where the person that they're with makes a decision that first they're like whatever about 
until it backfires and suddenly you have all the energy in the world to let them know that this was a bad decision from the beginning. So suddenly I become a lot more passionate about, I thought you don't even like breakfast. Why would you want breakfast today of all days? Now we missed the cruise. And we were sitting there trying to figure out what to do. We tried to get a rental car, but the rental cars were all sold out. We tried to get a taxi, but it was a fortune. And a lot of taxi drivers weren't willing to drive four plus hours to get us there. And we are literally stuck. And I remember thinking to myself, all right, I, I think I have an idea. What if we take this one train that's coming and we take it from Rome all the way up the coast of Italy and then we'll take a connecting train and, because we were able to see that there was going to be a connecting train that could get us from that spot all the way to Ancona with 30 minutes before the ship leaves. So we decided to go on that train. P.S. To get on that train was an extra $200. So just so you know, we originally thought the breakfast at the hotel would be nice because it was free. I now see that as a $200 meal that has caused this grief. But either way, we got on the train and we think everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be cool until we hear someone on the overhead of the train tell us that we are actually running 20 minutes late. And if you have a connecting train, you're going to miss it. And again, we freak out. We don't know what to do. So I get so desperate that I go all the way to the front of the train and I tell the conductor on the train, listen, you don't know me. I know this does not make a good representation of Americans, but I really need you to speed this train up because I paid a lot of money for this cruise and I am not going to miss this cruise today. The conductor looked at me with a blank stare because I realized he didn't speak English. So I ended up going back, sitting down in defeat. My wife is all emotional. I'm upset. And all I can say is, I can't believe we had breakfast this morning. I can't believe you wanted to have breakfast this morning. Either way, someone comes back to the train. One of the workers on the train, they come to our seat and they say, hey, listen, the conductor wanted to let you know that we are actually running faster than scheduled and you will be able to get to the connecting train, but you have to run. Turns out the conductor did speak English. He just likes messing with people, I guess. But either way, it was what it was. So we get to the next place where we're supposed to catch this connecting train and we are running through this train station looking crazy with these massive suitcases. If my wife was telling you this story, she would let you know that she believes that I left her. I did not leave my wife. I just run naturally faster than my wife. And I was trying to get to this train to be sure that I could at least hold it so both of us can get on. All right. I was doing my job as a husband. Don't judge me. We get to the next train and we got to the next train so fast that we realized that we actually never bought tickets for this train. So now, instead of us enjoying the rest of the train ride, I'm hiding in the bathroom periodically to be sure I avoid the guy with the tickets. My wife finds a seat in the back and I just keep laughing at the idea that we are pastors smuggling on this train trying to get to where we need to go. It was a very humbling moment. But praise God, we got to the ship with 30 minutes to spare and it all worked out. And even though we had so many great times on that trip and even thinking back on what happened that day is fun to look at now. Like I said before, that was a really big challenge in our marriage. But we are the better for it. We grew as a couple. 
we grew as people in general. So even though it's not the most challenging or the most enjoyable thing, it's definitely one of the most growing things. And I believe that that's going to be true for everybody in here when it comes to spiritual gifts and how we believe that they work today. So let's dive into it now. Let's talk about spiritual gifts. Before we talk specifically about that, I do want to give a recap for anybody that's here for the first time or hasn't been keeping up with our series as much about what we are talking about when we say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. Uh, he is God. We believe he's not a lesser form or some type of thing of God. He is God. And he is described many times in Scripture as a mighty breath or a blast of air. Every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned, especially in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes with power. Anytime he reveals himself to somebody, it's, it's in a powerful way. And anytime the Holy Spirit rests on somebody, they are given abilities that they could never have on their own. There's a story of a man named Joseph that could interpret dreams. That was because of the Holy Spirit. There was a story of a man named Daniel that was able to prophesy. That was because of the Holy Spirit. There was a man named Samson that a lot of people know because of his great strength, but he wasn't strong because he lifted. He was strong because when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he received strength. And we even see that Jesus Christ, who is God, who is the Son of God, did not show any uh, great miracles, did not have any profound teaching until the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized. So Jesus, in his entire time, does great things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says before he ascends to heaven uh, in his last days of ministry that it's good for him to go because when he goes, the Holy Spirit will come. This is why we believe that having the Holy Spirit in our lives is better than having Jesus beside us because that's Jesus's words. And Jesus says this, that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll be a teacher to us. He'll be a counselor to us. He'll be a guide to us. And he'll also be somebody that convicts us when we're in the wrong. But we also see Jesus say this in his final days before he ascends to heaven in Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 4. He says these words to his disciples. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After Jesus says this, he ascends to heaven and the disciples and along with other followers of Jesus Christ, they decide to do what Jesus does. They go and they wait for the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem. So we fast forward to Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1, we see this happen. When the day of Pentecost came, the word Pentecost means 50, and this was also a Jewish festival where people from, would come from out of town to be a part of it. Jews would come back home to be a part of this holiday. Um, on the day, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, the disciples and the others, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole place house where they were sitting. The same way the Holy Spirit is always described as a rushing wind, the Holy Spirit has shown up. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. 
Then we see this happen in Acts uh, 2 verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Again, this was a festival where they would come and be a part of this. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, are all these who speak, who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in our native language? Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? The scripture goes on and even says that some of these people that were hearing these people speak in these other languages thought that maybe they would have been drunk, which P.S. is an incredible talent if you get drunk and learn a language. I've never heard of that before. And not only do they believe this, but the apostle Peter that got in trouble all the time for speaking is able to stand up and preaches a message, not only clarifying what was happening was the work of the Holy Spirit, but also declaring that this is the power of Jesus Christ and that these people need to receive Jesus Christ in their lives. And Peter, who, by the way, is the only person that ever got Jesus to say, shut up, is now the person that preaches a message so powerful that 3,000 people on this day give their lives to the Lord. 3,000 people. And not only do we see something extraordinary happen here in Acts chapter 2, but we continue to see it through the scriptures. And now we even experience it in history as the gospel spread from Jerusalem to everywhere in the world. And we believe that that is because of what happened this day through the power of the Holy Spirit and him giving spiritual gifts. So let's dive into this. What do we mean when we talk about a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift, if you're following along in your notes, is the ability to do ministry like Jesus. When we say a spiritual gift, we're not talking about a talent. We're not even talking about a natural gifting. There are many people that are amazingly talented. There's a lot of people that are born with certain gifts and abilities, and they even are able to uh, change the world through their gift. People like William Shakespeare, people like Michelangelo, people like Beyonce, all incredibly gifted people, but that is not what we mean when we say spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is something that comes upon you when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that helps you do ministry in the same way that Jesus Christ did ministry. We also see this, that um, scripture shows us that when it comes to spiritual gifts, that you don't have only one gift, that you can have multiple spiritual gifts. We also see that there's different portions of the same gift. One person may get a gift that's able to help influence dozens, another the same gift, but can influence hundreds or thousands. There's different portions of it. And we also know that there is a, a very long variety of these gifts. First Corinthians 12 verses 4 to 6 says this, that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So I want to go through what 
many theologians have kind of separated to be the three categories of spiritual gifts, especially the way that it's being described here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First one are the motivational gifts, people that have the gift of serving, people that have the gift of teaching, exhorting, which is just another word for preaching, people that have the gift of giving and also mercy. We know plenty of people, there are plenty of people I can think of right now in this church that exemplify these awesome motivational spiritual gifts. But there's also another set of gifts called the ministry gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are the gifts that many times get associated with a title, a profession, but that's not necessarily always the case. You don't have to be an actual pastor to have a pastoral or shepherding type of gift. It's just a spiritual gift of how you do ministry like Jesus. But then we have a third area of gifts, and this is the ones that many times cause controversy, and that is the words of wisdom, the words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, diverse tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, I want to stop and just mention a, a, a couple of these. First, we have diverse tongues. Scripture shows that there are two types of tongues that are talked about in the Bible. There's one type of tongues where it was described in Acts chapter 2, where someone is preaching or declaring the wonders of God in a language that they are not native to or familiar with supernaturally. But we also see in Scripture that there is a more supernatural uh, working of the Holy Spirit, uh, tongues of angels type of tongues that's many times associated with kind of a private prayer language that many people can have as well. So we see that there's different types of that. And we also know that there's different types of prophecy. When it comes to prophecy, there's two types. There's forth telling, which is basically you declaring what it is that God has already made clear in his word, which is 80% of scripture, by the way. 80% of prophecies in scripture is just declaring what God has already said. And there's a lot of parents in here who I have a lot of respect for, and I know my parents did this, where they were pretty much prophesying over their children, declaring the words of the Lord over their children every day that they left. And this is something that we uh, know as to be a type of prophecy, but there's also another type of prophecy known as foretelling, which is saying and declaring something from God that is going to happen. And we know that this is something else that is very common in scripture. We see this in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied about the life of Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up. That's the type of prophecy that we're talking about. And when it comes to these type of gifts, many times these are the ones that cause the most controversy because we've also seen these things kind of become misused and people use this as a little bit of a fanatical or crazy type of thing. But I want to talk about this for a moment because there's a divide in many churches because of these things. And there's a opinion on uh, two opinions, rather, that churches have. One big opinion, and it's actually a name called cessationism or cessationists. They are a group of people or a group of churches that believe that they believe that the spiritual gifts that are mentioned here, these manifestation gifts, are no longer working today. These are things that they've seen in scripture and they happened in powerful ways in scripture. But since scripture, the canon of scripture has closed, they are no longer in use today. But we are not in that camp here at Valley Christian Church. We are in the camp known as continualist, meaning that we believe that these gifts are still happening today. God is still working in mighty ways through these manifestation gifts. 
And I've mentioned this so often before, but I grew up in a very charismatic Pentecostal church where I saw a lot of people exemplify these gifts. And church, I'll be honest with you, I'm not really that guy. I'm not a crazy fanatical type of person. So in my mind, I didn't know if God really worked this way because of my personality type. I just thought these people were just way hyper energetic and they got too caught up in a worship song and these things would happen. But I experienced these spiritual gifts in my own life. See, I believe one of the most dangerous prayers, it's a good prayer, but it's a dangerous prayer that you can ever pray, is to ask God to use you. And I remember at 18 years old, I prayed, God, use me. Show me your power. Use these gifts. If they are real, reveal them to me. And I remember hearing the Holy Spirit, because again, the Holy Spirit is a God in our lives. The Holy Spirit was guiding me to go pray for this particular gentleman in our church because we found out that his wife had cancer. And this wasn't just go over, but I had to go to this man's house and do this prayer. And I'm 18 years old. I don't really know what's happening. Uh, if this is really the Holy Spirit, or if this is emotionalism. I remember telling my sister, my younger sister, hey, listen, I, I feel like God is telling me to do this. I'm a little scared. Will you come with me? And I, she was like, all right, whatever. Um, but I want ice cream after. I said, deal. So we get in the car. We, we, we drive over to this man's house. And I said, hey, listen, uh, I, don't, I don't really know if this is the Holy Spirit or not, but I heard about what's happening with your wife. And I, I feel like God wants me to just pray with you. Is it okay if I pray with you? He's like, okay, cool. So I pray over this man. And church, I've never told this story story in church before. As I was praying over this man, I began to speak in tongues. And as I was speaking in tongues, after I finished speaking in tongues, I said, your wife will not die. This will be a sign from the Lord. Your wife will not die. This will be a sign from the Lord. And that sounds really crazy and mystical and awesome to some people. But for me, I was freaking out. Because if this person loses his wife, if this wasn't the will of God to, for me to go over and to pray for this person, I might have wrecked this person's life. But praise God, she was healed literally the next week from cancer. And I called to be sure she is now 11 years cancer free. And church, that is easily one of the most powerful, unique movements I've ever experienced with the Holy Spirit. But there are also many things that happen on a much smaller, lesser level that are equally as powerful, as significant. Many times it's just me praying for somebody and they say, hey, listen, I don't remember telling you what it was I was going through, but you seem to have prayed exactly for what my situation was. And I'm like, listen, that's not me. That's just the Holy Spirit. Listen, there's times we've prayed for people here at this church and they've experienced healings. There's times we've prayed for people here at this church and we've experienced incredible, uh, miraculous things happen. But again, that's all the work of the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to spiritual gifts, especially these manifestation gifts, I think there's two things that we need to remember. The first thing is that spiritual gifts are not superpowers. Spiritual gifts are not for manipulation. And too often people abuse spiritual gifts and they make it seem like that if you don't have a spiritual gift, especially the gift of tongues, that they are somehow more spiritual or more connected to God than you. The Bible never says that. And we also need to recognize this, that there are a lot of people that have kind of exploited and, and done wrong things with spiritual gifts. And they've honestly given the entire Christian community a bad name. 
So I want to make this clear that whatever spiritual gift you may have in whatever category, that still that whole, that the Holy Spirit is the one that enables that gift. The same way we saw in Acts that the people spoke in tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled it. That's the same way all spiritual gifts work. So if you pray for somebody and they get healed, praise God, you might have experienced the spiritual gift of healing, but recognize that that was still all God. That was not you. And it's not good for you then to start opening up some healing services and things like that that may cause for drama to come. If you prophesy over somebody, once again, that's awesome. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. But that does not mean that you should now become a fortune teller. The Holy Spirit does not work that way. These are gifts that we should not be manipulating. They are not superpowers. But there's also another thing about this that we need to understand, and that is a spiritual gift is a God gift. God gives good gifts, and we shouldn't deny these gifts. We shouldn't neglect these gifts, and we as a church are not going to be people that don't address these, but we are going to celebrate them because God is the ultimate gift giver. Scripture says, Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, if your earthly fathers who are sinful know how to give good gifts, how much more so does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts? James says that every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from God. So we should celebrate these things. We shouldn't shy away from these things. You know, I was thinking about this as I was, as I was getting ready for this message, and I was thinking, what was my favorite gift? Do you have a favorite gift? Have you ever had a gift that just completely blew your mind? I have been blessed to have so many great gifts in my life. The most recent gift was a gift my wife got me for Valentine's Day. She got me tickets to see my favorite comedian, um, which was awesome. I was really grateful for that. But I also was a little bittersweet because I got my wife this bag for Valentine's Day that was actually super ugly. I thought she would like it. She did it. And I don't really want to talk about that. But either way, I have been blessed with great gifts. But church, when I think of great gifts, I can't help but think about what happened that great day on September 13th, 2004. And I didn't receive this gift. I saw people receive this gift, and I thought this gift was so amazing. And some of you guys, when you remember this date, probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But for anyone in here that doesn't know about the gift of September 13th, 2004, let's not just talk about it. Let's check it out. Let's watch this. Everybody in the audience, now listen to me carefully, is being given a special package, and I don't want you to open it. Do not open it. Cameras are on you, so do not open until I tell you. Does everybody have a box? Yes. All right. Inside one of these boxes is a key. Do not open it yet. Okay, everybody listen up. Here is the deal. If your box has a key, you will be the last person today to get one of those cute little G6s. Okay? Who will it be? Are you ready? Hold on. Are you ready? JR is back in our audio booth. I want, you know, JR, this calls for a drum roll. Cue the drum roll. All right, open your boxes. Open your boxes. One, two, three.
Now listen, if you've never been to a Pentecostal service before, that was a very close representation of what that looks like. All they needed was a little bit of organ and it would have been a great day at a Sunday service back at the First Cathedral. But listen, as great as that was, as much as I wish I was in that audience, I think it was 278 people got a car that day. God still gives better gifts. God gives gifts that not only affect us, but that change the trajectory of someone's eternity. God gives gifts that don't depreciate in value. Church, Pontiac is no longer a running car service. You can't even buy a G6 today. But the Holy Spirit is still doing something new each and every day through the work of spiritual gifts in our lives. So we need to celebrate that. We need to use the gift that God has given us, the spiritual gifts that God has given us, because this is the thing that I want you guys to understand, that there is a purpose with that gift. A spiritual gift is, has a purpose. I want to go ahead and read this real quick. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12 says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. See, there are spiritual gifts like positional gifts, gifts that people like I have and Dr. Greg and Randy. But many times people think that because we have these particular gifts that we're not in need of ministry. No, not at all. We're just helping train you up to do ministry through the power of spiritual gifts. Church, I'll be bold enough to even say I wouldn't be standing up here doing ministry if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit working through people in this audience. People like Jim and Abby Garcia, people like Chris Hosh and Eddie Torres, people like Femi and Shola Ogonzola, people that have poured into the life of me and my wife, that have blessed us in our marriage, that have blessed me in just becoming the man that God has placed me to be and helping us do ministry. The spiritual gifts of other people help fuel people like me, people like Dr. Greg, people like Pastor Randy that continue to do ministry. And not only do we get to preach here due to the power of the Holy Spirit working through all of you, but also the Holy Spirit is working in you to go preach the gospel to other people as well through the power of these spiritual gifts to build up the body of Christ and then go on to other places. So this is why I believe that a spiritual gift makes you part of the picture. Acts 1 verse 8, again, this was Jesus's final words before he ascended into heaven. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Sumeria and to the ends of the earth. See, I have a picture of the globe that I want you guys to see. And you guys can't even see it from where you're sitting or where you're watching. But everything all started right here in a little place called Jerusalem. And through the power of the Holy Spirit here, it spread not just here, but it went to the entire state, then the entire region. And now it's spread all over the globe to where we are now listening to the preaching of the gospel happen here in the United States of America and the great state of New York. 
all because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And yes, the gospel is still reaching all over the world in a micro level, but church, there are still people near you in your schools, in your jobs, in your community that still do not know the power of Jesus Christ yet. And I don't want us to be a church where we come and we hear great teaching that helps us be better morally and helps us know more about the intricacies of the Bible, but completely lack the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know how many times I've talked with parents, that I've talked with couples, that I've talked with family members that tried to convince a loved one with all the logic in the world why they needed God in their lives, and the thing that ultimately brought them was just the work of the Holy Spirit? Which is the power of Jesus working in the lives of that individual? When we accept that we have spiritual gifts, God is going to use it in order to build up his church, which will impact the rest of the world. So the question that we need to ask now is what is our gift? How do we, how do we know what it is? How do, we, how do we even access it? I think there's three ways that we can do that to discover our gift. The first thing is just simply ask God. God, what is my gift? God, give me a particular gift. 1 Corinthians 14 says this, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability of prophecy. Scripture says it. Ultimately, love is our ultimate goal. Ultimately, love is the greatest gift. 1 Corinthians 13 basically says that if you do not have love, whatever spiritual gift you have is worthless. But still, in the midst of us having love, we need to also ask for spiritual gifts. And again, Scripture says that if we ask God, especially for the Holy Spirit, he will answer us. I think the second thing that we can do as well is do growth track. Here at Valley Christian Church, we have the Growth Track course. And what I love about Growth Track is it's not just a church membership course, but it helps you discover who God made you to be. And uh, Growth Track 301, that we are able to do a spiritual gift test and a personality test as well that can help you know, based off particular questions, what we believe God has placed in your heart for you to do in ministry. But then also we have another thing in our Growth Track 401, which actually helps give you the steps on what area of ministry that you can serve in where your gifts will best flourish. So if you haven't taken Growth Track yet, I highly recommend it. That's a great way for you to make that next step in understanding spiritual gifts. But then the third thing that we need to do is that we also need to make room for the Holy Spirit. What I love that I heard from a pastor one time is that there's no one around that has more Holy Spirit than somebody else. It's just that the Holy Spirit has more of them. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and also full of yourself either. So there comes a level of dying to self, of saying, God, I want what it is that you want. I'm going to die to what it is that I desire. I'm going to get rid of my selfish ways and I'm going to trust in you for what it is that you want me to be, for what it is you want me to do. And I believe when we do that, we make more room for the Holy Spirit to put us in situations and circumstances where we are able to see God do more things in us and through us. So church, as I close today, I just wanna make this statement. 
that the gift that God has given you through the power of his Holy Spirit, yes, is a gift to you, but it's a gift that needs to be used through you for somebody else, for the building up of his church, for the hopes of seeing more people come into the kingdom of God. These are the gifts that God has given us. And you know, I have with me today this puzzle piece, excuse me, this, this, this massive puzzle. And before you exit today, both here and at Poughkeepsie, if you're online, we definitely recommend that you come join us for one of our services. This is just one of the things that just doesn't translate. But today, I want to challenge you before we go ahead and pray and close out that if you want to be somebody that plays a part in the picture that God is trying to create of a world that knows the power of Jesus Christ, that you would walk out of here today and take a piece of this puzzle. The ushers will have it on your way out, but we want to give it as a blessing and as a reminder that the spiritual gifts that God has given you, that the place that God has placed you and the time that he has placed you is all divinely purposed for his kingdom. So with that said, before we go ahead and do that, I'd love it if you can go ahead and pray with me. Please bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to make a prayer today for all of the people in here. And I actually, I don't want to just pray for you, but I want you to participate in this prayer today. Something that I mentioned earlier is that one of the most dangerous prayers that we could ever pray, but it's one of the greatest prayers that we could ever pray, is that God use us. So if you're in here and you want God to use you today in whatever capacity and whatever level, I just want you to repeat these words after me. Dear Lord, use me. Whatever you want, however you want, use me. In Jesus' name, amen. And God, I pray over each and every person that they experience the power of your Holy Spirit working and moving and living in each and every one of them, that you use them to do things, Lord, that sometimes may cause them to be out of their comfort zone, but also cause them to experience, Lord, more of your living and breathing and moving in the lives of those that believe. And if you're someone in here today where you says, listen, I'm not a Christian, but I want to experience this power for myself, I'd love it if you could also Join us in prayer right now. Repeat these words after me if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and have this power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. I want you. I want your Holy Spirit. And I want this relationship with you. Thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.